for checking out the Card Life Podcast, where we combine four unique views on collecting in today's world. Hey guys, welcome back to the Card Life Podcast. I'm Tud, here with my card wife, Katie. Hi guys. And of course, we got Andrew and Nate back in the studio. Andrew's taking his rightful place back in the bottom left corner. That's so. more so Katie has her spot back. Right, right. Well, you know, Andrew. Had to get back to the... To yeah, <laughs> got to do what we do. But yeah, glad, glad to be back in the studio again, of course. Uh, been a pretty interesting week in cards. Glad to glad to start talking about it. Uh, Nate probably will be ranting about some stuff here shortly, but we will start with the vibe check this week. We're going to start with Katie. Katie, how has your week in cards and card news stuff been for you? Um, Non-existent this week, I would <laughs> say. Um, Now, I did... I was a good wife. I, when Ted was out of town at his latest card show, I put a designated, like, pretty wicker box by the front door, and I'm like, this is where I'm putting your mail. So every time you come home, That's true. your packages are in one place. And I could not find it when I got back, because I was like, oh, I know I had mail from but last now, two days. now but... if he's out of town, I'm just going to gather his packages. You, you should put a sign basket. on it that's like, Tud's Basket of Shame. Right. basket of shame. See, I normally check the mail first, so normally that basket doesn't get used. But yeah, if it stacks up on the weekend, it looks kind of rough because I like as a, I I really can tell how much of a degenerate I am when I, there's like 20 packages waiting for me. So it could be kind of no. He he'll text me if he's out of town. He's like, "Do you check the mail? Do you check the mail? Check the mail." <laughs> I'm sure a lot of a lot of you know card guys have that same. Uh, if they're living with with somebody, they have that exact same experience. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess not much for for cards uh, this week for you on on your end. Uh, and let's go to Andrew for for your stuff this week. How have you been? I had a pretty eventful weekend. Uh, my fiance and I we went to Columbus for a signing. We met met QB one. Met Fields. the QB. Mitch Trubisky was there. No, he's he's busy. The QB one. Uh, he's busy Nick, uh, in Nick his Foles? battle with his busy his battle with a. Uh, Small hands, Kenny Pickett. Small hands, Pickett. Get my strong hand. <laughs> but yeah, I met, met Justin Fields, got a picture, got a jersey signed. It was well worth it. Oh, it that's cool. Like, only like an hour 40 away. So I didn't know and you got a jersey signed. That's really I did, cool. yep. And if you haven't seen it, his card autographs are really short JF1 autos. But yeah, if he right. signs anything else, it's the full last that's name cool. with the number one inscription. So. That's actually really and he cool. was really cool, so it was it was a very good time. Then we went to the zoo after because you know it couldn't be an all like yeah card sports an all Andrew event. day. Yeah. So you, so you had lions and tigers and bears. Ah. Yes. Oh my! <laughs> oh my! Technically yes. So yeah, I couldn't let that one go. <laughs> That's actually really cool though. Was it kind of like a meet and greet situation, like where you kind of got to chat briefly, or was it just like in passing? Well, like, no. it wasn't like. You know, there were a ton of people, so obviously they couldn't yeah. do like a whole thing. But they yeah, did right. for the photos, they did have like a photo booth, so you weren't like standing in front of like 800 people just right. taking a picture. That Actually, is cool. Here, I'll show it real quick. I got it. We got the printout from oh. the show. There we nice. are. Which one is you? <laughs> I think Angie might be. <laughs> no, <laughs> camera was wrong way. There nice. we go. Are you in the middle? <laughs> yeah, that's sick. Yeah, that's I, really I grew cool. like seven inches overnight. No. <laughs> But yeah, really it, neat. it was really cool. So that was my my big thing from the past week. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Pro pro tip, if you take your girl to a signing or a card show, take her to the zoo or a nice restaurant after. 
Yeah, smart man. Yeah. And Colum- Columbus has a really nice zoo, so we went there for a couple hours, and that's cool. It was really hot outside, but it was it was fun. Uh, okay, wait. What is really hot to you? Well, you see, in the Midwest, it's like <laughs> anything that when it gets to like 80, 85, I'm like, all right, it's kind of hot. It was it was like almost ninety. So, okay, that's pretty hot. That's... We're we're ninety five over here right now. I yeah, saying, I, I can understand anything. Over eighty with humidity as hot. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. my my sweet spot temperature wise is like fifty sixties. That's what. Oh. I mean. oh that's, yeah. I like about it's pretty chilly. Like <laughs> sixty five. You can wear you can wear a hoodie and shorts. I wear hoodies in the Bye. summer and beanies. Okay, and, you know, that's the yeah. opposite. I cannot get Ted to wear shorts even if it's a hundred degrees outside. Not, not a shorts guy. Mm, so he's really. the opposite of every middle school boy ever. Pretty much. Yeah, oh, it's no. snowing outside. I'm gonna wear my gym shorts. Yeah, no, I, I like have. I was notorious in college for always wearing beanies and hats, and like I always wear jackets in the summer. In a hundred degree like, weather. Like, yeah, because I just had so many jackets. It was like I don't know. Like I like being warm. I'd rather. Oh, I gotta wear them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's just me though. That's cool though. I'm glad you got to experience some uh some time at the zoo, Nate. Did you have a good good weekend cards, my friend? Yeah, got a big DRC. Um, card added into my collection. It's a six-way auto with him, Kenny Phillips, Bob Sanders, Quentin Jammer. Oh my gosh, who else is Darrell Revis? Is on Darrell Revis? I forget who the sixth one is. Uh, you said Kenny Phillips. I said Kenny Phillips. It's a it's a notable. Oh, name. it's a it's um. Oh, I feel like isn't it? Or is Man, because I think I know which one. I think I know which one you're missing, but I'm trying to remember. It was a Charger or something, wasn't he? Quentin Jam, I think Jammer? I said Quentin yeah, Jammer's yeah. on there. I don't know if I said Jammer or not, oh. but either way. So getting that in, uh, absolutely thrilled. Uh, that plus uh, this past Saturday, I took place in my first pre-release event for the upcoming Pokemon set. So it was at another shop. So it was the first time I've ever actually played in one, which is basically just like a, a slimmed down tournament, but you can only use the cards that you get in your little pre-release box, which comes with four packs plus like a little miniature deck. Nice. Um, ended up going 2-0 and one tied for second. So I was happy with that. Um, just for the record, it was Entro Roll. That we oh, how could I forget yeah. Entro Roll? I was like, I, I was like, I feel like I know who it is, but yeah. That, I wasn't great. expecting two Cardinals. Yeah, that is true. Um, also, you you got featured on a podcast this week as well. Yes, for Pokemon, so that's I cool. was uh, featured on my friend's podcast, the Pit or uh, the Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast. Uh, Twitter is their main area that they do um, social media on. They're just Pit Pokepod on there. It's actually um, a really cool name. But they have their podcast is more so about the gameplay and like the meta surrounding all the new releases and what cards do what and all that. So they, they hardly ever go into actual collecting on the podcast. So that's what they brought me on for. Um, just kind of give that perspective. Sorry, sorry. Yes. You can have your turn next for your, for your <laughs> vibe check. Is, our, our new dog is wanting to yes, play. Hi, hi, hi. What, what, what is the vibe check? <laughs> the vibe check for he the dog is barking. All right. <laughs> All right, she's gonna. Katie's gonna handle the dog for a brief, brief moment. But yeah, no, that's really cool, and and that seems really cool for that the podcast that you're referencing because I feel like they, there's not like a, I feel like there wouldn't be a ton of a space for like a podcast that's more meta based. 
So that's kind of cool. I feel like that might be like yeah. A there's there's there. a lot of podcasts that surround like the competitive Pokemon like really? card game play. Interesting. Um, yeah. It's it's there's a big community out there. That's actually I found their podcast, and that's how I got hooked up like with my local group mm-hmm. uh, that I play with. So it was awesome to be able to go onto their podcast. That's really cool. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear about that. I guess my week uh, is next. Uh, within kind of outside of Kansas City. Um, at the card show there which was really fun really good to see people got to see some chiefs uh in person um i feel really bad because i was so busy at the thing uh so andrew wiley who's a former chiefs offensive lineman he now has a a card account he's uh you know has a a account that he's been running on instagram um really nice guy actually both times i've commented he's taken the time to reply to me and a lot of other people so it seems like he's like really engaging he was actually walking the show um in kansas city and i just didn't have a chance to stop and say hi but uh creed humphrey was there a lot of cool chiefs just as a chiefs fan it was like you used to go into the dallas show and there's like dallas legends and stuff and it's like you don't really care that much as a you know a chiefs fan but when you go to kansas city and you got creed humphreys nick allegretti you know josh gordon was there which like i don't care too much about gordon because it's like i don't know he hasn't been a chief for that long but still like obviously solid player since he's been in the league since he's been able to play in the league i guess um, so that was just a really cool experience getting to see those guys and some of them walked and that was, that was really cool. Um, but other than that, yeah, just, you know, was able being in Kansas city, I was able to pick up some, uh, some cool stuff for the Nile PC, nothing too crazy. Um, grabbed a couple of things, I think for Andrew's PC as well, just stumbled in the box. It was kind of just a slow weekend of nothing too crazy. Yeah. No DRC. So I look, Katie and I, I get look. nothing. Yeah, I look, man, every time. Okay, there was a lot of Kelsey. Uh, I don't really yeah. have an excuse for not getting any Kelsey for Katie. Mm-hmm. But, like, mm-hmm. one, you're in Kansas City, so a lot of prices were kind of high um, on anything, Casey. Even Nile on a couple things, like, I, like, just Yeah, I was going to ask if you paid just, like, a little bit more for Nile than normal. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, more than I would online, you know. But it's, like, you kind of... There was a guy actually that I've been working with online, like, you know, cause I post in groups and look for stuff. He had hit me up that he had two booklets um, from playbook patch autos um, one out of 49 and one out of 271, which I already have the 271s, but I wanted an out of 49. I don't see him too often. And he was wanting like 20 bucks for the, he wanted like 25 per or something. And I was like, I can probably do like 16 or so shipped cause I can get the out of 271 for like four bucks. Um, but I actually saw him at the show uh, and was searching a box and found two booklets. And I'm like, I've seen these booklets before. And I look up and he's, and, and it's the guy that I had talked to and I got him for 15 bucks. So that was cool that the in-person negotiations worked and everything else was pretty fairly priced. But when I talk to KC people, the price is always, if for a nicer card, the price is always kind of outrageous compared to what the online thing is. Yeah. Um, I'm actually having some issue right now with a, with a guy that was supposed to be at the KC show that I got put on and he has a one-on-one that I want, but he's, like wanting $75 for it. And it's just like a select insert one-on-one. Um, and he's like referencing, yeah, it's just a whole deal. But yeah, it's it, when you're dealing with people in the city that they are from, they like always price it higher. Same with Arkansas and everything. Cause they can just move it locally and trade or something for more, or at least they say that um, yeah. so as a, as a collector, you know, I'm sure like Andrew might have had that experience being close to the area that you guys both might've had some similar experiences when people know you collect somebody, they want to, they want to try to get as much out of it if they can on, on some people, but no, nobody as bad as black Rose. So, uh, which we've talked about before though. Um, but yeah, that was just kind of my week. It was, it was pretty simple. I'm actually flying out to, uh, to St. Louis, um, in two days, 
for that card show. I'm not going to be at the Dallas show, which which does suck. Uh, I would love to be at the Dallas show because, you know, a lot of people I know there, but uh, it'll be cool to meet a lot of new faces. And I'm hoping that I can find some Nile stuff in St. Louis. That'd be really cool. Um, I still feel like there might be some pretty heavy Chiefs influence over there, obviously. Um, so we'll see what happens. Now but, we just got to get you over into the uh, the Eastern time zone. Right. Yeah. For a show. The yeah. superior time zone. The superior time zone. Yeah, I don't think I don't yeah, I don't think this is easing into the eastern time zone. <laughs> the uh, uh the we'll, Midwest we'll monster there. is in the superior uh, time I zone. Say. I don't think I, is that a show? Is that a show? In Indiana. Yeah, I'm not gonna be there. I that's am the, going that's to that's the indie show that's the seventeenth and eighteenth of June. Yeah. Which so... I think you said you're gonna be in Chicago. I will be in Chicago. That is right. Yeah. We're going to take all of the collectors and bring them to us. <laughs> What's up, Katie? You're in Chicago on the birthday. I am. Yeah. That is when Katie's birthday is, and it is going to be a little sad, but. Well, take her uh, with you. I can't. I yeah, so I it's a good place to be. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of good shopping around the uh, where the convention center is. Yeah. It's just I'm on work assignment. So you know how that is. I'm already getting paid, you know, and, I, and I'm usually sharing a hotel room with someone already. So. Doesn't always work out. How uh, rude! Yeah, it doesn't always work out, but we'll we'll find time to make it to make it happen. It'll it'll work out good. Um, I think we'll be up in Nate's neck of the woods sometime in. I think when Katie's going out to do something, so I think we'll be out there, and, and I won't be on a show. I have I mean, a work trip to Philadelphia. I don't know. How I don't know how far is. that is. That's five hours east. <laughs> okay, then yeah, never mind. We don't get up north very often. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I still kind of consider that my neck of woods. I grew up like forty-five minutes northwest of the city. Danny grew up in uh, in in Southwest Philly, and then eventually moved out. But yeah, that that general area, yeah, yeah. I was like, I know that's in the neck of the woods, but I don't know how far away I it is. So I was like, your maybe, state and that's it. Yeah. Same state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like if you told us you were in El Paso, we're like, yeah, that's twelve yeah, that's, hours away. Yeah. Yeah, see, Texas, we equate every other state as, like, this big compared <laughs> yeah. to, like, Texas. So if it's like, oh, it's in Pennsylvania. What is it, an hour and a half drive? Now, like, PA so is sizable. I used to get yeah. made fun of all the time when I lived in Delaware, though, which that's yeah. fair. Delaware <laughs> is a very small state. Okay. A 20-minute drive and you're in a different yeah. state over there. <laughs> that's funny. I always forget about those states up in the, up in the, I guess, northeast. It's a habit. As Texas people, we just forget other states exist sometimes. I think the Northeast states are just smaller because it's cold up there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta stick together. <laughs> That's funny. Anyways, we'll jump up into the first topic because uh, I'm not sure how long this will go. But yeah, so, you know, this week in hobby, like we kind of said on the last episode, maybe the episode prior, like I feel like every week, this has been kind of the year of the sports card controversy. Like every week, I feel like something is just blown up in somebody's face and the community has insane reactions about it and this is a you know some people would say this is some just criticism that has been long awaited uh some some negative publicity that uh probably should have came a lot sooner in some people's eyes um platinum cards i guess doing a break busting open what was it nt i'm pretty sure they were, they were doing a case break of nt so that's four boxes yep. yeah four box case break um opening it up they were doing the whole you open all the pack or open it all up and set it down and then go from there they didn't open it a box at a time which i always thought is like a weird way to do it it saves time but i feel like it is a way to kind of maybe confuse people when you're not doing it box to box that's just yeah um from personally i don't do a ton of breaks um and you know the only person that i know that does breaks really like i know andrew does breaks and andrew you typically do it box to box um kind of feeling my point that's just kind of my more so experience um anyways 
they go through and take all the stuff out of the boxes and you kind of look, they have a cam in the top left or on the top, right. Um, Cause they usually most breakers have multiple cameras set up and you can tell on the top, right. The way that he like, he'll open it up and then he'll take it off the front cam. And you can kind of see that he's holding it to where he can like see is like looking inside at something and you can kind of see it in that small thing. And then when he closes it up, you get a brief glimpse of something in the box, but he closes it up and puts it to the side and that process goes on and they end up taking the boxes to the back. And somebody in chat, thankfully, or maybe a couple people in chat, say, like, pretty sure something was in that box. Pretty sure there was something in one of those boxes. Yeah, they, they pointed out, hey, there was a redemption in that box. Because you could see, like, the scratch-off code. Right, yeah. Like, and that's what gave it away. Text, yeah, probably wouldn't have seen it because of the... It. Because of the... They were running on, like, 720p. They weren't, like... You know, it wasn't super clear. Um, so they take... Bring the guy in. And it's kind of weird. What really drags my attention is he kind of made a it kind of felt like almost a show for a little bit, the way that he was like expressing to, for the guy to come back in the room, had them pull out the trash, brought like seven boxes open, which I guess like I can understand that portion. Cause you, maybe you don't know which four boxes. So you throw a bunch on to check all of them. I'm not hundred percent sure. Have you watched they, the whole video? I haven't watched the whole thing. I saw what was clipped of that specific okay. link. So what happened was you see, uh, and this isn't going to be the start of my rant. This is just explaining. There is a Nate rant coming. So Oh, absolutely. There is. <laughs> um, but it's, so you see, okay, the first two mini boxes, they get cut open, which they get opened above the main screen. But like, you can still see G on camera opening them. Fine, whatever. And he puts those two on a stack together, like doesn't stack them by themselves. So you just have this leaning tower of national treasures. And then the third box, you see him do that. And then you see him pause with the lid of the box for a couple seconds. And then he puts the stack down. And unlike the first two boxes, the first two mini boxes, you see him swipe like straight down, probably has a trash can between his legs just for easy uh, disposal. And then you see, even on the camera, the third box, the one that had the Justin Fields redemption in the lid. He closes that one back up and slides it to the side of the table. So it right. is now sitting at the corner of the table. Then he does the fourth box, blah, blah, blah. I actually didn't notice that in the in the video, the difference of him yeah. sliding it two different directions. I didn't even notice that. So when they call out, hey, there was a redemption in one of the lids. You see him turn around and as he's asking... Uh, the other kid, Austin, to um, grab the trash bag, you see him grab it off the corner of the table real quick and then really? slide a hand it into one of his hands as he reaches into the trash bag. That's actually interesting. I did not even pick up on that at all. <clears throat> so really that's what ended up happening with that. So he brings out that mini box and the other mini boxes. And says, oh, you were right. Blah, blah, blah. Right. There, there was a redemption. There's a Justin Fields. Blah blah blah. Yeah. I'm gonna talk like New Jersey trash, and then and then slams it on the table. Like, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like he's so rough with these cards, and he just has a tower of four mini boxes of National Treasures cards piled up. Right. Yeah, that, that's what really like stuck out to me. I like. I know there was the whole thing about like, yeah, it, it was like basically pulling back a card. Like. Yeah. But yeah. like, just the way like the cards were being handled, it like. Mm -hmm. He's it very aggressive. Feel uneasy, yeah. Almost. yeah. Like, there's a reason that I've always been of like, I, I collect for 
you know, obviously investing in my portion, like I like to do that because I get to buy more cards with it, but I collect for the enjoyment of collecting. So I don't do a ton of breaks because to me, that's an efficient way to, unless I'm chasing someone specific, but I don't think I would ever break with someone as aggressive as he is. There's a couple of other people that do that too. They just don't really care. They're like putting shit in penny sleeves, like 130 point things, stuffing them into, into the lower uh, size penny sleeves and stuff like I don't even understand that, let alone the history of what this guy has on him to be able to still be, you know, doing what he's doing today anyways. So the whole situation to me is just outrageous. I honestly didn't even know what they were still breaking because I've heard a lot of issues with them. But I'm sure Nate is probably going to want to uh, address some of those. Uh, shall I? You you take the floor, man. This is... Oh, <laughs> so, uh, oh this guy gosh. right here is one of the biggest douchebags in the industry. I have history with him, which is why when this video came out, I went into it as skeptically as I could because I know I have history with him and platinum and I wasn't going to let that cl uh, cloud anything. Fine. Just the video evidence is just baffling. Like I said, all of this is caught on video. It it's not speculation of like, oh, I only counted this many cards in the stack. No, like you can see it happening. So they put out an apology video saying, you know, like it was an honest mistake. You know, I'm so sorry for making a mistake, blah, blah, blah. But the one thing that they say over and over in the video <coughs> is actually what happened when I pissed them off. Uh, they said, you know, oh, we're addressing this for all of our, our loyal family and fans, blah, blah, blah. We're not saying any of this because we don't give the haters the time of day. You made a 25-minute long apology video and didn't say shit. <laughs> like, I have a, I, so I have a, I have a yeah. question. So whenever, when they made the, in the moment, so like this is not video aside, in the moment, what I always thought was interesting, we haven't touched on this yet. He's rambling on after he finds the the card, and he's like, oh, you should see what I've done with flawless cases. I've done this and that with the flawless cases. I've thrown away a whole box of flawless cases. I've done this and that. It's like, there's no, like, accountability. It's kind of just deflecting, which is a very interesting thing to do when, as a breaker, your responsibility is to break the cards and accurately portray the cards that are in the case and not like you said, which I didn't know prior, kind of shuffle the cards off and do that little sleight of hand into the, you know, trash and that whole, that whole thing. Like one, I'm sure that that is just him not recognizing that he's caught and not in the moment paying attention to how much actually was seen on camera. But also it's just like, I don't think your first reaction needs to be, it's a very telling sign of a human, of a human being when your first reaction is trying to deflect like, oh, this isn't that bad. I've done way worse things in the past, which is like, okay. Like that, it's like a serial killer. I just killed one person this time. I killed like ten other people the other day. Yeah. Like it's like it doesn't like. I okay. only accidentally <laughs> killed this guy. I meant to kill those other ten. Yeah, it's like okay, like wh whatever. So I just thought it was very interesting. Like for for the audience, obviously that may not have seen the the clip, which I didn't watch the entire thing. I'm sure Nate has seen more, but I just thought that was what really stuck in my mind is to deflect like that in kind of a pretty serious situation. Like you know, th this is a very damning piece of evidence um against them now and, and on video yeah and, and go ahead no, I, no, I was gonna say that was the other thing that really stuck out to me that because i just went back and watched it again right before we hopped on here but like it wasn't just like one time it was like three or four times he's like I, i've thrown away whole cards like how, <laughs> how does that 
I just don't understand. Like, okay, how that, how does that happen? Like, like what? Like, Katie, would know. you break with a man that has literally on camera? He's like, I, yeah, okay, yeah. This this sucks, but you should see what I've definitely done with some <laughs> other product before. Um, no, I feel like breakers. I mean, we've touched on this before. There's like a responsibility and accountability, and if I don't see that in you, I'm not going to do business with you. Right. And isn't this the same breakers that had the whole debacle with the Lori marketing card? Yes. Um, so I'll go into that real quick just because, uh, so years ago, uh, I want to say it was 2019, um, platinum pulled the Lori Markin one-on-one nebula from prism choice. Mm-hmm. Fairly big card. Okay. Whatever the, the, the market was on its way up at that point. Okay. Um, and and he was doing good at the time too, marketing. Yeah. So like, and he, he so wasn't a or anything. I w- I wasn't watching their streams or anything. Which I would also just like to add the caveat. Probably about ten years ago or so, I broke with Platinum multiple times. G just got too annoying for me, so I left. Fine, that's whatever. I kept my mouth shut. Um, but. So the Lori ended up getting posted in a Facebook group that's just for one-on-one sports cards. So I noticed that the Lori was put into a magnetic and it was slightly off center to the point where the entire right edge of the card was outside of that little indent in a magnetic. Mm-hmm. And it was sealed with a platinum sticker. So I pointed that out saying, hey, the back edge of that card could get damaged. And then, like I said that to the person. And then I went on Instagram and went after Platt and said, oh, well, at least your advertising stickers on there, even if the card was put in there uh, it, it, in a condition to where it could be damaged and it's a one-on-one. <laughs> so I did that and then other people jumped on and more people jumped on. And it got to a point where Platinum like disabled comments on a bunch of their stuff. They took down their post um, to where they were saying, we pulled this lawyer mark in a one-on-one. Okay. Later that night, now I'd gone to bed at this point. <laughs> I woke up to messages as to everything that happened. So later that night, Platinum went on the stream and said, hey, we purchased that Lori card from the person that hit it in the break for a very generous $600, which maybe could have gotten 800 at the most at that point, just market on the rise, whatever. Um, and they said, you know, we take care of our cards here and our customers here, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if, if you just bring it to my face or I'll bitch smack your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm the one bringing it to his face, and then he blocks me. So how can I bring it to your face if you won't let me anywhere near your face? Right. So then he goes on this whole big angry tangent, you know, oh, that doesn't damage the card. And then he says, this damages the card. And he just cuts Box clean through the it. card. This is a one-of-one card. The nebula too, which is like the like coolest parallel. And he ends up cutting it into three pieces. Yeah. So everybody like flips out. They're like, "What are you doing?" Blah blah blah. 
they posted an apology video again that, you know, oh, I let my anger get the best of me. It was a mistake, blah, uh, yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, and this is just for our followers. This isn't for the haters. We won't give you the time of day. This was another like 15 to 20 minute long apology video. You won't give me the time of day. You just gave me 20 minutes of your time. Right. And posted it to the internet. You didn't you have did, to. You did not want to get the. To say that your anger took over you and you just had a box cutter in your hand and just started slicing it, <laughs> I would hate to be anywhere near that man when he gets angry. Might be in the wrong uh, direction yeah. there. Yeah, that, if your anger gets the best of you and you have a, a weapon in your hand and you just start slashing shit, like... Around expensive things and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and people. and Yeah, that's... I don't know. That's... Fast forward a couple of months. Uh, just this is just me explaining my past history since people know some people know it, some people don't. And this is why I went into the video of the latest thing skeptical because you know I want all of the evidence to be there. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. But a couple of months later, Kobe dies. Mm -hmm. That day, Platinum posts a uh, case break of uh, I think it was Eminence, the Kobe edition. And th this was what their post was. Hey guys, this is G-Man Platt, and I have to say, wow, I am blown away. All of you know my love for Kobe and what he brought to the game of basketball. He's a legend, and to go out with his daughter doing something for her is absolutely the only way to go. First off, go fuck yourself. He loved his daughter. I don't think him going out the way he wanted to is taking her with him. That yeah, is an like asinine statement. To, that's an absolute ridiculous way to word that. And then he says, we've had this case for years, hoping it's a go up in value over time. With that being said, I can't not look at the shelf every day. So I have to put it on the store at below cost to honor Kobe at the, at the castle. Platinum eggs will break this as soon as it fills. RIP Kobe. All that stuff. Like you're, you're clearly using his death as a marketing ploy. I... I I had a whole big video that I ranted on years ago um, about that situation. It's actually in the last couple of days, it's up like 500 views. People found it again. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's been a lot of, of YouTube traction with, with the whole situation on this. So that has happened with Platt in the past. That's just the stuff that I've personally been involved with because I ripped them for that. And all their trolls came after me, get out of your mom's basement, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it shows. So it's funny because I, I was waiting. The Platt situation with the marketing was like such a big thing at the time. Like, like as far as like it was making hobby waves kind of because I wasn't even in the community anymore, really. I was like doing my own thing. I wasn't actually collecting at the time. And I still followed. About it. Yeah. And I still heard the rumblings of it because I still like obviously was in some Facebook groups. So like I would see stuff in my feed naturally, but I had definitely left a lot so i was only in a few and then on instagram i still followed a, some like I, I think i followed andrew and a couple of other like pages and those pages probably you were probably one of them that i actually was watching nate at the time because i'm pretty sure i've been following you even during then and like i remember that situation yeah and like i, said, I was i, even I was at like the forefront of that charge against them and then I walk up to like people messaging me saying like hey did you hear what Platt said they're gonna do to your mom they're gonna bitch smack her yeah that's just, horrible yeah leave the mom out of it man come on <laughs> so, so you have all of that and then you have this recent thing their apology video is almost identical to the like oh we made a mistake 
this is just for our loyal followers. Anybody that isn't, you guys can piss off. Yeah. But the thing that people keep bringing up is, oh, why would they do this over a five to $800 Justin Fields redemption? They're worth millions, blah, blah, blah. They got caught this time. Yeah. Who knows how many times in the past they've done it? Because mm -hmm. multiple people, multiple different breakers will say, hey, uh, immaculate mini boxes and anti mini boxes, the redemptions get stuck in the top of them pretty fairly or fairly easily. Yeah. So they know to look for it. So if they, you know, speculation, there's no proof of this. Somebody went back and started looking at a bunch of their old NT breaks and noticed fishy stuff in there. They started deleting the videos right. off of their YouTube. That yeah. doesn't say innocent. Sorry. Yeah. No, it, it really is. Yeah. And I, on top of that, if, if they've been doing this a while, that adds up over time. But also... At the beginning of the clip where the guy does the full breakdown of what they did, G comes in and is complaining that he just got off the phone with Panini and he's like, oh, I have so many redemptions with them right now. Hmm. Yeah. Where'd you get them? <laughs> Makes you think, huh? Yeah. Now, I, I think that... I think this just brings up another topic of like, you know, cause we're going to, we're going to start talking in the next, you know, our next topic is going to talk about another breaker. Um, I, I feel like we keep that having we don't some have little personal issues. history with. Yeah. But, uh, but a lot of people just really dislike. Um, I think that there is kind of just a conversation that needs to be had. Like the problem is, is I don't think that people are breaking. Like, I don't think a ton of hobby people are breaking with some of these breakers that have issues. Cause I think a lot of them are obviously in tune with what, is going on with them and stuff. I think a real issue is that you have a lot of these like more, I don't want to say personal accounts because it seems like some of those people aren't ingrained in the hobby, but there are a lot of people that aren't super in tune and they just see platinum breaks is, you know, pulling numbers and all these things. And so they just break with them. Um, I don't think that you're ever going to really see. And if you're watching the video, Nate's pulled up the cut in three Lori Markinen. Um, I don't think that you'll ever see breakers like this unless they just get removed somehow, like on like, obviously Instagram is a different story, but like whatnot or something, they're just going to continue to fill breaks because you have that audience of people that aren't going to care about the shit that they've done. Like the people that are collecting on a day-to-day -day basis and in tune with social media and stuff do, they'll always find a way to fill breaks, even if they have to go on eBay to do it for people that don't know the history of them. So that's like kind of a, you know, Kind of makes you feel like the, you know, the the big guys that are doing wrong keep winning. But at the end of the day, it's kind of starting to feel like that every week in the hobby. Honestly, if if, if I speak for for myself. Also, just quick sidebar: you said a lot of them do it on eBay. Uh, if you're trying to break into uh, like the breaking industry and stuff like that, you notice a lot of people will sell stuff on their spots on eBay. It's not worth it. If you're thinking about doing it. Don't sell your spots on eBay. It's just not worth it. Is it because go ahead? Yes. Is this because of the prices that you'll fetch for it on like auction? The or prices you'll fetch you're at talking auction. Talking about refunds. Refunds, chargebacks. Right. eBay customers are the worst. Gotcha. Yeah, I actually Unless... just bought into a break for tomorrow. Super cheap. Like it was a three ninety nine break of a guy that I collect. It was actually hockey. So, but. I, and you can I have actually, success doing that. When it's like those obscure, like player yeah. name breaks for like oh yeah, 
I love stuff it. like that. It's also just it's... a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed buying into those cheap breaks because I like to player uh, buy player uh, ones that are specific because it's like, okay, I've bought usually... into one before. Yeah, they're great to buy. Like, obviously, I, I'm not buying high-end stuff. So if it's like, you know, this is a $3.99 break that I it just was, it made too much sense to buy. I kind of went under the table. But like, I think it's a great spot to buy into some cheap stuff if you play or collect really heavily. Um, I don't have too many instances, but when like Brandon Jones was, uh, they were breaking that prism class for football, Brandon Jones, Denzel Mims, Jermichael Hasty, Jeff Glass, I was buying like, I was basically every night it felt like auctions were ending and I was buying like cheap spots and I got some cool stuff in and, and it's just a good way to build your collection up or try to hit the big ones, you know? Yeah, um, they're, they're great to buy. They're not worth it from a seller perspective. There's just so right. much work and so many headaches. Involved. Oh, yeah. Listing, I can even imagine having to list all that on eBay and stuff. I already hate listing cards individually enough. <laughs> so can't do it without a template now. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so anything else on uh, on the Platts card situation? No, I think I'm going to cool off a little bit. Yeah, Nate, Nate's going to take a little bit of a breather. While Nate's taking a breather, let's jump into the second topic. Um, kind of talking about another breaker situation. Kind of this week, it's not so much, I guess, a focus on the breakers that we're going to talk about. Um, although we did get some pretty interesting revelations from the Backyard Breaks crew. Um, which are friends of the friends of the podcast. Uh, if you if you don't know at this point, they enjoy making guest appearances, um, just not in the good ways. This probably is two sarcasm. or three times. Yeah, this is sarcasm. Um, apparently, like people did some real digging on them and found that they actually. And I don't know if this was super known because I didn't know about it, and I saw it making waves where a lot of people didn't. They actually like their old their backyard breaks YouTube account used to be like a prank channel back in the day, but like they did shitty pranks like super scummy stuff to like women on the streets and... so there's super shitty florida frat bro lmfao rejects like we thought they were yes exactly pretty much okay. like just some real like when when the pandemic was going on apparently they were doing a lot of really cringy covid like pranks that were just one like cringy it's a, it's a prank bro yeah, cringy isn't like you know, cringy gets a pass because it's like not you know, I, I will never fault someone for trying, and it is funny when it fails, but being a kind of a douchebag is a little bit of a different story, and that's where the line was getting crossed. Um, didn't really like some of the stuff I saw in there, but that's kind of just against the point, regardless, just some more bad stuff coming out about them this week of like the <coughs> it kind of just I guess fueled that these guys will do anything to try to get famous or known or recognized or make money uh, kind of showed just a little bit more of that. But regardless, what we want to talk about is Josh Luber, um, who obviously everyone knows has such a huge pull in the sports card world and has pretty much a, you know, with this whole fanatics takeover and everything as kind of this, a lot of stuff over his head right now with, you know, the transition that's going to be happening. A lot of people are looking at all the press that he does give and all these situations that are coming up where he's actually giving time, uh, you know, and speaking about the transition because the hobby pays attention pretty much to everything. What's up, Nate? He is the chief creative officer, I think. Something along those lines for the new card uh, segment of Fanatics. Right. Yes. Um, so, and he has some type of, doesn't he have some type of pull with, cause fanatics and the whole top steel, isn't he going to have something pretty heavily influenced with that as well? Most so likely. I'm thinking like, yeah. So basically like fanatics is going to be rolling through him pretty heavily. 
Um, and he's, you know, he makes some of the most um, appearances, I would say. Like, you know, he talks, I feel like he talks quite a bit. Um, I would say he's kind of like the fanatic spokesperson, if you will, uh, for the most part. I see a lot, of, a lot of stuff of him talking about that. And then he, this last week, said he was going to make an appearance on Backyard Breaks. Uh, during the middle, you know, obviously he's going to do this right after the, the triple. The reason for doing this is because of the triple logo man. Uh, being pulled on platinum breaks. That's kind of what's fueling this backyard uh, breaks or yeah. Backyard breaks. Sorry. I said platinum, didn't I? Um, Tomato. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Too many topics, but yeah, he's obviously going on backyard breaks because of the triple logo man pull, just doing a press run type of thing, you know, going and and just showing face. Um, But obviously really weird time because of how the community's feelings are towards backyard breaks to begin with. It looks really bad when somebody so heavily involved in the card producing world is break is is going alive and breaking with people that are so negatively impacting the hobby as far as you know like social media presence and all these things going on and just you know you know giveaways not going the way that they were supposed to and and all the situations with them. So you saw a ton of backlash on social media and I kind of wanted to get y'all's thoughts on one the whole situation but two is this Josh? Is this Josh Luber really showing that it's more about like the money and getting in front of people than it is about actually paying attention to what the optics look like? For you know, you're gonna the press that you're getting probably gonna be a lot of negative press if you're going onto a place like Backyard Breaks, unless you're just trying to hit the new collectors, those those personal accounts that keep showing up in the comments of all the Backyard Breaks videos. Collectors, uh, uh, yeah, the collectors. So, kind of want to get y'all's thoughts, Andrew. If you have anything, I'd love to hear from you. I was going to say the main thing I saw was I think it was people posting. It was like the conversation they had about like how I guess I don't know if he was defending backyard breaks or kind of like saying, hey, no, that's not who they are. Stuff like that, because it was like something with the Trevor Lawrence gold they were talking about. I just saw some te- like text. Yeah, it seemed like a private a private conversation on Instagram where, uh, and he responded to a few from what I understand. At least a couple were leaked where people like posted his you know comments, and both of them seemed like he was very much like, I I don't want to say like defending, but almost like deflecting more than anything. Like give me solid proof type of thing. Where if you were in that moment of the Trevor Lawrence situation, kind of all the proof that you needed was there. So I don't really know exactly what he was saying with that um i and you know he he just kind of seemed like he was deflecting the situation more than anything but yeah i i don't i don't know if there's a i don't know if there's a reason to like i i just feel like you don't need to be commenting on that you know does that make sense like i feel like that's just like responding to those dms it doesn't make a lot of sense to go out and basically almost like you're, you're giving people too much ammunition against you at that point, because you already know so many people disagree with the backyard break situation to kind of go and deflect and like almost, it's almost to the level of defending, but he wasn't really like justifying their actions or anything like that. It was just kind of like, Oh, well, like there is no proof. Oh, well, there is this, like they work hard and people hate that. And it's like, that's a bad look when you're in such a high position of a company that's pretty much going to be running the hobby in the next four years, I think the optics are really bad. And this is just kind of, I think a really big eye opener for people on how the press is going to look. And with the mindset of fanatics, whether or not he's running the whole show, the mindset of what fanatics is going to be bringing to the hobby in 2026. Nate, did you have something? Uh, yeah. So I was 
slightly distracted. I was going back and reading like his uh, DMs that card porn had pasted at, or posted out. Um, the biggest takeaway for me is Luber even says in his DMs, backyard breakers have a very distinct style that a lot of people don't like. Personally, it is not my favorite, as in it's not Luber's favorite. Mm-hmm. But we decided, so that just tells me, okay, it's this is a fanatics issue. I like yeah. Josh Luber. Mm-hmm. Michael Rubin is a money-hungry, just crazy person. So right. I can see him being behind a lot of the stuff. Um, also, just adjacent to this, I've seen a lot of people pointing out like, oh, this guy's breaking with backyard breakers in the same week that it comes out that StockX is selling fake Jordans. He doesn't work with a company for Josh Luber left StockX in 2019. This is that is not on him. I just want the record to reflect that. And I've been telling people that whatever happens at that company right now, that is not on him. Right. Yeah. And I agree with that. So don't carry that over. Right. So I think what we're seeing, I, I could be completely blind or just too hopeful in the situation mm-hmm. but i think fanatics obviously fanatics is all about the money with how much money they have spent on this industry now right i think josh luber himself has the industry's best um best intentions whatever uh at heart it's just there's some stuff that's going to be over that's going to come from over his head. Like that's he blatantly said, he blatantly said that like the style of breakers that backyard breaks are is not his style and not what he likes. Right. But that's, he went and did it anyways. That's a good way to put it. I like the way that you put it. Like it's just kind of over his head. Um, I don't have anything personally against Josh Luber either. Um, from what I've seen, he does give good interviews. I think from the optics of a collector, uh, like, from collectors looking into the situation, it is a little bit um, tough to actually see backyard breaks getting the recognition from such a high up place. If that makes sense, um, obviously, I think the, the way that you put it and kind of with what the end of that message says resonates pretty well to the fact that yeah, he probably wasn't too thrilled to be on there. Um, so yeah, I guess you know. But like I said, this is still. Luber or not, this is still very much a yes, fanatics abs- getting absolutely. involved and being okay with the quality of breakers that Backyard Breaks is enough to put a rep on there to try to continue to push the fanatics brand at the end of the day. I agree and with yeah. that. <laughs> Cut <Cops laughs> snippets. I'm trying to take care of them. Katie's, Katie's on, on dog dude. Dog dude. Perfectly fine. <laughs> the, the thing for me, though, is right now fanatics only controls tops. Mm-hmm. Backyard Breakers does like all of the hype beast products like basketball and football. Right. Yeah, but I mean that could be just them trying to get in, you know, like oh they absolutely the want to get in connection. and, and yeah. buy Panini. I think it'll happen eventually. Yeah. And not even just that, but I'm sure that like just even making, you know, getting on there and, and building that connection as fanatics, they will probably open up a dialogue with, you know, backyard breaks or whoever they go on with to start breaking more product that is like going to put money in their pockets. I would imagine that's kind of the end goal. That's the only goal that makes sense to me at the end of the day. 
is to build that connection with like those those people that rip a lot of product and make a lot of money. Um, yeah, so I, I get it from a business perspective. I think everyone's just, you know, it sucks who it's at, you know, it, I think the hobby is waiting for backyard breaks to get their, you know, justice to be served type of thing. And I think that we keep waiting and that they, obviously we are going to be naive to see that happen because they are kind of on a pedestal right now with hitting the triple logo man. And they are going to have press runs. They are going to have people come on. They're probably going to get some, you know, pretty serious clout from this at the end of the day. And they'll keep making money because of the, the, at the end of the day, they can literally brand until the wheels fall off that they pulled the triple logo man. And that is going to be their marketing scheme when things slow down. So, and, I mean, even now, but Andrew, anything else on your end? I don't think so. I just don't know a whole, whole lot more beyond just the yeah. things that I It's saw more so just know. like an interesting topic to discuss that like, as we talk, obviously, and Nate bringing really good insight on the whole, like, Josh Uber, not really super thrilled to be there, but at the end of the day, things may be over his head. Just showing that Fanatics as a whole is willing to put up with, with you know, the happenings. And that's kind of potentially a sign of things to come, and I think that's the scariest part at the end of the day for uh, for us, you know, as collectors. Um, but I want to jump into the last thing, and this is going to be a fun collector topic. I know we had to get some of the uh, weekend happenings out of the way, unfortunately. Hopefully next week it's all all sunshine and rainbows in the collecting world. Um, but we're going to talk about our next Collector Academy topic. And I'm really excited to talk about this one because we get to put our negotiating hats on this week a little bit and kind of talk to new collectors about... Oh, here we go. <laughs> yep. Nate's put the hat backwards. We're ready to go. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, new collectors this negotiating. Is my, this is me negotiating. Negotiating the dogs to, to <laughs> relax a little bit. Okay, he's giving the dogs some treats. Um, but talking about, like, as a new collector, negotiating deals, whether it be online or in person, and, and on the buyer and seller end both, because you negotiate deals differently, um, you know, as a buyer and a seller, obviously. And uh, I think that there are differences to negotiating online and in person. Um, so I kind of just wanted to have a collective group conversation. Maybe Katie can bring some interesting insights. Katie, as a, a former real estate agent, might have some insights on some deals. I'm I think you're so sorry. What was the question? Yeah, I think you're stretching away from the Wi-Fi where you're sitting, so it might be it might be having a bit of a of an issue. I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, just negotiating deals online and stuff is going to be the topic uh, as a buyer and a seller. Uh, kind of want to start with Andrew, kind of get your insights. You know, you, you've been in since 2013 doing a lot of online selling, trading, stuff like that. What are some of your key takeaways, either as a buyer or a seller? I think you, big thing, communication, like both ways in online and in person. Right. Like for online stuff, you can't just ask someone, be like, hey, what do you, how much for this card? <laughs> And yeah. you, you tell them and nothing. Right. Like, or just like, like at least be like, oh, okay, thanks. I'm going to go look at some other things or I'm going to get mm -hmm. back to you. Like, I know that's right. a big thing that kind of happens, at least on Instagram, sometimes on eBay too, is just the, not, the leaving on red or not replying or right. that's one thing to avoid if you're trying to get something done. Um, yeah. But it's also a big difference in person, too. I don't do as much in person because I don't go to a ton of shows, which is usually mm -hmm. where I would do in-person negotiating. Sometimes, like, trades if you meet up with people in person. But 
Right. I feel like those are more like conversational. You get to talking about like stuff with cars and maybe yeah. with sports and like kind of. I guess it makes it easier because there's more of a personal touch, personal connection with that. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. on Instagram or eBay, you're just kind of like, especially eBay. It's just <laughs> number, number, like yeah. back and forth, yeah, number exactly. So sometimes you can put a message, but half the time people don't see it. I feel like, you know, I, I don't do it often, but sometimes I will, you know, give them a little bit of my thought process if we're close or I'm trying to be firm on a price or whatever. My, my advice would be, um, when you're ready to buy, go in and know your comps just so you're not taken advantage of and you know what the market is. Also. If you show a seller comps, 99.9% of the time, they're not going to budge. Right. And why do you think that is? Just curious. Like, you know, I, I just think that there's a lot of people that don't want to accept or admit that they were wrong. Right. That's fair. And it's perfectly fine. Like I have some people, sometimes they'll come into the shop mm-hmm. and they'll show me a comp on a Pokemon card. And I'll go back in my mind and say, oh, yeah, I priced that four months ago. That could have changed. So I'll right. be like, yeah, we can do this much or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, humility goes a long, long way in this hobby and just in life in general. Mm-hmm. Life advice from Nate. Life advice from Nate. This should be a new segment. That'd be perfect. <laughs> right after right after right the after Nate, the Nate the segment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two layers of, of, of Nate. Hey, we just go back the onion a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, and, and I, I really like, you know, as far as comping kind of to speak on both Nate made a really good. Um, this was several, several episodes back when we were talking about show show stuff. If we're talking in person, um, if you walk up and you see something you like, but you're not super familiar because I'm I'm the type of person I like to pick up random stuff. You know, so it's like you're not going to really have the comps in your head for some stuff you just walk up and see. Um I always like to take note of it. So I like to walk a show and take note of some different things. And I'll kind of, you know, as I walk to the next table or, you know, whatever, I'll kind of check the comp on that piece to see how far maybe I'm off or like how far the, the dealer is off on the price. Um, and then kind of go from there in my head. Like if he has it listed at 500 and the comp is 325, do I think he's probably going to budge that far down to where it would make sense for me to want to buy it? depending on what I want the card for. Like, is it a card that I'm okay spending over comps a little bit? Am I under comps? Like, and then you can put that, is you can do that Al all Davis? in your head. Yeah. Is it an Al Davis? And if it's 325, it might as well be the greatest Nile Davis card of all time, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I think that you can do a lot of your own research without having to stand at the table. You can kind of mosey on around and like, you know, check out some different stuff and be efficient about it. I, hovering around a table and just sitting with your phone out isn't always the best way. Cause I think people kind of know what you're doing and they know that you're price checking and they're going to probably hesitate a little bit more dealing with you. Cause they're like, okay, this guy either knows something that I don't on a recent comp or whatever. Like it's going to kind of give that weird energy. So something to think about that and something I actually see at the shop every now and then that like the first time I heard it, I wasn't a big fan, but the more I kind of broke it down and analyzed it, I was like, all right, I, I will have some people, whether it's at shows or at the shop, say, do you mind if I check comps? Right. You might see a card that you like that is a player that you don't normally collect or a set that you don't normally collect or even a sport you don't even collect. Right. And you're not familiar with the market. 
again, that goes back to the whole humility thing. Just let them know, hey, can I check comps real quick? You know, I'm not, I don't usually buy these. Mm -hmm. I, I just want to look into it. Yeah. I and, am and much I... more receptive as a seller when you say that mm -hmm. as opposed to if you just start the conversation with, okay, you were on your phone for a couple minutes and then you just come to me and say like, uh, recent comps on this were this. Can you do this? Yeah. No, just work with me. Yeah, right. There, there's a lot I, of interpersonal skills that go a long way in this hobby. And I noticed, uh, and I don't know, you know, this is definitely not speaking for everybody because I do a lot of good in-person deals. Um, and obviously that's kind of what we're focusing on at the, at the moment is the in-person aspect. When I'm working a deal with somebody face-to-face -face, and we're maybe working out a trade or maybe, you know, it's somebody I know, maybe it's not like some random dealer. It's like, I kind of know I'm like, I'm probably not going to walk away and check comps and come back. It's like, if I know them, I'll probably talk to them, but I will probably be like, yeah, like, you know, either like, do you know the recent comps? If it's somebody that, you know, they'll be probably transparent with you. Like you would hope, obviously. So sometimes like I'll ask, like, do you know the recent comps on that? And if they don't know, you'd be like, all right, well, like I'm going to check, like you can be a little bit more free and open with them. But like with, with somebody that you maybe don't know, Try to be a little bit courteous because one, there's probably other people that are circling the table. And if you just hover, it's going to be a little weird. And also two, like building the building the relationship for a transaction is important. If you do just stand, hover, and then you're just like, pump this, I'll do this. Like, it's just kind of people like that dialogue aspect, even in person. Granted, people want to sell their cards. Don't get that wrong. But at the end of the day, like, I feel like some people... I see, and even when I set up at a card show a couple times, the Katie has joined me and she could probably attest, like people will kind of show up and they'll like stand and then they'll stand on their phone and then they'll just like try to, they won't even want to talk or anything. They just want to do business. And in person, it doesn't really work as well that way as it does online where it's like, okay, you're, you know, obviously your purpose is like, I want this card. I will pay you this card or this much for it. Let's do the transaction in person. You got to be a little bit more willing to kind of have a little bit of a dialogue before you jump in and make a deal. It makes it so much more easier as a seller too. Especially the reverse. If you walk up to somebody's booth and you say you want to sell them some cards, how are you going to react, react if A, they just take your cards and start looking up comps or B, they say, Hey, I'm going to check comps real quick. We'll see if we can work something out. Right. Just yeah. give them that same courtesy. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of want to jump into, unless Andrew, do you have anything for the in-person? Let's jump into the online portion. Andrew says we're getting back into my, into my, into my wheelhouse here, um, into the online session. So like, and, and Andrew touched on a lot of really good points with the, you know, in the DMs and, and how to, how to handle those. I think that what a lot of people do, and I'm guilty of this every now and then, but I think it's, I do this more so with people that I know. And like, I think every, all of this advice is subjective with people that you're like really close with. Cause at the end of the day, like, you know how they are. And like, you know, obviously you're going to act more freely and open in negotiations and stuff with them. Um, but I think when you're messaging someone that is like, you haven't messaged them before, it's very weird to ask somebody like what their lowest price is on a card when they have something listed. Say I have something listed for 20 bucks and they DM me and they say like, what's the lowest you'd take? It's like, you're like, what's your highest? I mean, yeah, like what, what, yeah. And I've been guilty of doing this like with some friends because like I know that they price stuff high and I know that they're going to take lower and I typically they'll be transparent of like, oh, I'll take like 325 or something for it. And like, okay, be like, okay, then like we're kind of in a better ballpark because typically friend to friend, the pricing is either A, a little different or B, like 
they know that you know them and they'll be transparent with you. Like you can get away with more stuff, like I said. But when you're talking to a complete stranger like that, you don't want to open up the dialogue with like, what's the lowest you take? Because it's like negotiating against themselves. I don't really like to negotiate against myself. Because like if you have an offer, let me know. And then if we want to meet, typically we can meet. There's like this, twi there's this Twitter guy that I, the homie Saul. Uh, I, I played some video games with him here and there. He's a good friend. The man is a negotiating nightmare with me, dude. This kid, I will offer 40 bucks, or I will tell him just 40 bucks. And this dude, like, wants to be, like, 32. And then I'll be, like, 36. And I'll be, like, 3350. And I'm, like, it, we just meet, get to the middle. But at least he's giving me a number. And I, like, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a cool kid. I appreciate all that. But, like, I think that that's kind of, you know, just, just be real. If you want to negotiate with someone, give them your price. Simple. Let's get in and out. Don't have to be like, what's your lowest? You're just going to piss somebody off. You're not going to make a deal. It's going to be, it's going to be really weird. From a seller perspective, if somebody approaches me with the, what's your lowest, say I have a card that comps for like 285 and I have it listed for 300 mm -hmm. and they say, all right, what's your lowest? And I tell them, okay, 280. I'm not moving off that number. Right. If somebody yeah. asks me what my lowest is, I'm not mm -hmm. moving off of it. Yeah. And like I said, there are definitely people that I, like I've done it too. And people have done it to me that we are, have like a history of stuff and like, kind of like exactly what you say. If someone says, what's your lowest, that is pretty much the lowest. Um, continuing to milk like just a couple bucks off is sometimes petty in a, in a big deal, you know, and we've all been guilty of it at the end of the day, I'm sure. But it's just a good way. If you're, if you're new into the hobby and you're trying to meet a lot of new people, the best way to go about it is probably trying to make sure that you're not like, you know, being the little, the negotiating gremlin and trying to save $2 on a $200 order. You know, it just doesn't matter at the end of the day. Um, Andrew, you have any other tips, tips or tricks for the newbies? I was going to say, it's different if you're working with like one to $10 cards. Like if you're trying to get yeah. a bunch of them, like say you're trying to do combined shipping on eBay. Yes. You can go that's a and great way. You can go to a seller and say they have a few cards that you like. You can be like, hey, if I take like this many, like mm -hmm. if I do this many, would you do like this percent? Or, or you can even right. be like, how would you do this for all of these? Like, mm -hmm. and if you're doing it with smaller stuff, like if I'm selling like that, I'm usually willing to work with someone, like, because you're saving on shipping if you're doing it through eBay or yeah. Instagram or whatever. And you're liquidating it all, which yeah. might take longer, you know, if you're obviously to sell it. And if you're doing that, just real quick, never use the phrase off eBay in an eBay message. eBay will shut you down. Yeah. yeah I if, if I ever get a reply, like a message like that when I'm selling on eBay, I just ignore it. Right. Like, yeah, they'll I, be like, hey, here's my email with eight spaces in the name. Yeah. And then put a period and then delete the plus sign. And then that's my email. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Yeah, nah, I have I have been desperate a time or two and had to like bypass it just because of like Niall Davis reasons though, because it's like the guy will not good old Niall Davis reasons. Yeah, with he's Niall Davis, all negotiating laws. Yeah, all negotiating laws go away with 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 <laughs> Niall Davis stuff. That is the that is like the the forbidden fruit for eBay. Is you want my wife? You want my Davis. kid? You want my dog? Take it. Pretty much, yeah. Like, uh, honestly, like, I wish that Black Rose accepted, like, wife payment for, for the 101 that's up. <laughs> like, but they don't. I've asked. That okay. is, they won't do it. That is, that is doubly <laughs> insulting 
Because one, you're saying you'd trade her away. Two, it's for Nile Davis. And it's <laughs> that man or woman. Yeah. They have, they, they have money, apparently. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, it's, I think that they're, and, and I think you're in Andrew trouble. brings up a, I know. I think Andrew, we'll have to backtrack off of this real quick. Um, I think Andrew makes a really good point. Like bulk buying is if you're kind of getting into the whole, like you're wanting to buy and sell online, bulk buying is a really good way to go. If there's somebody that has like, I think that there are definitely sellers that have like a flavor that you like oh. of stuff. Um, like people, they have a good enough. Some people are like all Bowman baseball and like maybe you're a Bowman baseball collector. Some people are all like old school patch autos and like to do a bunch of vintage. Like you have sellers that have a bunch of stuff that you prefer and you can probably work a, a deal um, for multiple things with them and save. And like a lot of people will resonate positively when you want to bulk buy with them because obviously it saves shipping, saves time because like getting rid of inventory for some people is like, they don't care. They want it gone as long as they're making a profit at the end of the day. So maybe they won't make the 60 they want, but if they can get 50 and you're, they're also selling four other things, that money will stack on top. Like it'll stack up at the end of the day and they're shaving, saving on the shipping cost. It's like a dream for a lot of sellers. So, and, and even as a seller, somebody who may be wanting to sell doing bulk buy offers and working with people in that situation will always be good. Now I don't like when people are like, Oh, I'll work with you on bulk buying. And then I DM them and they're like, I'll give you $5 off this $200 card. If you take five other things, it's like, okay, well, like I'll just pay the 200 for the card. Like, it's like, you got to give, you got to give a decent enough deal. So you have to be conscious enough. I think sometimes people as sellers in the community are super like, especially now because we're post pandemic pricing on, on singles in quite a bit of different areas. Um, the wax is still crazy in a lot of, a lot of ways. And there are still crazy cards, but you know, Several singles have fallen quite a bit since we've come out of the pandemic and people are holding on to the bag still pretty heavily. So they want to get as much as they can, but they're trying to milk too much value that they're not actually selling anything because they're trying to get every last drop. If you just liquidate and put your money into new things, you'll have a lot more success doing that. Like, uh, for example, you know, I, I'll use myself as an example of kind of something I'm talking about. Um, an inverse, I actually was doing really well on a, Charles Leclerc card. Um, I bought it at 500 card went up insane amount because of, you know, just the timing on the market. And I really wanted to hold that card. I really wanted to keep it, but I had to be real with myself and say, like, I could either hold this card and I'm not sure where it'll go in the future, or I can sell it and I can get a couple of things that I am more confident in. And like, you know, just take that hit, but move into something a little bit more liquid for me in the market. So I was willing to take a little bit of a price cut off of what I wanted to get out of it, just because if I would have waited an extra week, who knows that card would keep going possibly down to 15 and then I'd want to get 16 and then they'd be at 12 and I'd want to get 13. And then that's how that domino effect happens with some people. So I got out of it at 1750, got two cards, pretty much put almost all of it back into two cards that I really, really am confident in and keep it moving type of thing. So like, don't be a penny pincher on when you're trying to sell, like be realistic especially getting into the card game, both of you guys can agree that there are pieces that you have that you just like either have held too long because you tried to be greedy maybe once or twice, or like you regret selling at the end of the day. It's like you have to choose though in the moment because you're always going to have be on one side or the other history. Uh, and if, and if you keep getting in your head and you're like, I want 50 bucks for this and it keeps going to 35 and then you're like, well, fine, I'll take 40. And then it's at 25. 
you're gonna feel bad at the end of the day just take the profit if you're ready to take that profit beautifully said just a just a i guess that's more investment than trading but absolutely yeah just just be real it's just if don't ignore the market I understand if a card has more sentimental value for you and you want to sell it for a little bit more, that's fine. I get it. I understand. But don't act like the person offering you market value on your card is insulting you. They're not. Yeah. Or the tweet that's like, my stuff doesn't sell and nobody wants to buy or this nobody's buying or anything, which you see people do. Um, I can understand the frustration if you're like way under marketing or like, bro, I'm just trying to make a sale. I'd see people do that as well. And like, sometimes they are giving really good deals and it's just maybe not my flavor or anything, but like, I can understand frustration, but if you're like way above, sometimes you can't be tone deaf to your own sales. Um, and that's why I've always been like a really big um, advocate of like, just, you know, paying attention to, to like kind of keeping up with what your cards are. If you're, if you're actively trying to sell all of these cards Keep track of those comps so that when you want to sell it, you are in an advantageous position to do so. Because if you are like two months ago, the comp was a thousand dollars, but really now the comp's 600 and it's been going down and you think it'll continuously trend down instead of trying to be like super stubborn and like, oh, I'll take 950 or 900, just either get out of it if you want to get out of it at the six that it's at, or maybe 550 if someone's willing to like negotiate pretty quickly and pay you. And put it into something you're more confident in or else you're just going to continue to be sad as that price drops and you continue to like i think that subconsciously it looks really bad when i see people consistently selling the same cards for months and months trying to get out of it because it's like it shows me that they're not paying attention to the market trend unless they really like it which there are some people that are like i don't want to move this but like if you'll pay me this and that's different like what nate said but there are some people that are like trying actively to move these cards and it's like they keep moving and moving and moving and trying to get this card sold. It's like you're taking up so much time that I keep seeing these cards that you're trying to sell and you're not actually putting new things on that I would want to buy. So you're kind of doing a disservice to your buyers as well. It's just like you got to kind of be conscious of those decisions. Um, Every now and then it's just one of those things where you just don't really have the right following or you're Absolutely. not posting in the right places. Like I have a Mookie Betts downtown from... Um, 2021 diamond kings Mm -hmm. there are several comps at 250 or above Mm -hmm. i've tried selling it for as low as like 160 yeah i just don't want to list it on ebay and that's fine i'll just keep the card yeah exactly like if i want that full 250 i have to go to ebay right i don't want to yeah and And that's where i'm at too i think that's an important thing that some people that gets kind of lost if you're trying to sell on instagram or twitter is like eBay, as much like hate as it gets for the fees and the shipping and the mm-hmm. the bad buyers and all the like stuff you have to deal with, it's the biggest place to sell a card because it there's that's awesome. where people are looking. Mm-hmm. People don't come like some people do come on Instagram and scroll through stories and they're like, oh, what can I buy through Instagram? But usually, if you're buying on Instagram or Twitter, you're probably buying from someone you've bought from before or know well. Right. Yeah. So like, yes. You could say, well, I can get more money if I'm selling it off of eBay. But if you're looking to sell, like eBay is probably going to be your best bet as far mm-hmm. as audience because people go yeah. on there and look for certain things. At this point, if you don't have something that's really liquid, eBay just makes a lot of sense to do it. Now, I don't follow that advice personally just because, one, I just don't like dealing with eBay. Um, I'd rather just move stuff and 
you know, if it moves, it moves on several things. But like eventually I'll just lot it up and get it out. I really don't like dealing with eBay unless it's like a piece that I'm like, it's so unique. I know someone will pay a lot more on eBay than they will online, you know, like a, some type of one-on-one or something like that, you know, if, if it takes a while to sell. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's that's really good, you know, really good advice. eBay is pretty much king at the end of the day if you like to deal with it great avenue to be able to sell but uh but also building relationships on instagram and twitter and facebook and all that just you can't deny the the possibilities of just like getting to have a lot of people that support you both as a seller and as a buyer because you can get a lot of really good deals done once you forge those connections um my advice is to give your dog bones before you film a podcast there There you go quiet angels now wow (laughs) that's funny well that'll pretty much do it anybody else have anything else that they want to add before we before we adjourn this card meeting not that i can think of i I think i let it all out yeah nate says i need i need a detox after that one nate's like i need another drink yeah. So, so stay tuned next week. We have Andrew's rant coming up uh, about why the Bears oh. are going to go twelve and twelve and what twelve and five this coming year. Oh, be nice. Uh, I think the rant would be about why they're going to be bad this year. Yes. Yeah. That's, <laughs> if it's coming from a Bears fan, it's the rant of like, why aren't the owners doing anything? Yeah. Right. That is facts. Well, that'll be it for us. What I am excited next week, I think we are going to be trying to roll out a new segment onto the show. I'm really interested to try some new segment ideas. Um, Katie's going to have you know Katie's corner is probably going to stay Katie's corner, but we're probably going to do something different with it. Nate and Andrew are going to have their own segments coming soon. Maybe I introduce this segment um, as well, just to make sure that we have some different content week to week that you guys can look forward to. Well, we already um, have mine, right? I do the Nate does advice. have Nate. Yeah. Nate has life advice and Nate rants, and we need to do them right after the other, just because it's two extremes. Um, but yeah. And then here in a couple of weeks, I really want to get uh, our second episodes going every week where we sit down with some collector of the community have a good 30 minute chat or so uh, about the hobby may end up being a little longer and and just really continue to grow the podcast. But thank you guys for watching as always. We're really excited to continue uh, to continue providing the show for you guys every week. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Yep. And don't pay for investment advice.